On this edition of Across College Lacrosse, we recap the weekend that was. No overtime games, which was a rarity. Some big games, Maryland, Villanova, Duke Towson, and then Rutgers, Syracuse to cap it off on Sunday. We'll also dive in a little bit with the bubble. Yes, it is mid-March, kind of actually late March now, but we're about a month away from Selection Sunday for College Lacrosse in May. So it's, it's, I don't think it's ever too early to talk about the bubble. And then, as always, we'll have the midweek picks and previews of some of those games. This is another edition of Across College Lacrosse. What? Hey, hey, welcome everybody back to Across College Lacrosse, episode number 14, the Sean Couturier episode of your Flyers fan like me. I am your host, as always, Chris Dostremski. Thanks for checking this podcast out. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the previous one on a Friday, which had Vermont head coach Chris Fifes and Albany head coach Scott Marr. Fortunately for one of them, they ended up with the win. The other one, eesh, that, that result was not good at all for the Catamounts in their America East openers. Uh, Kevin Warren was supposed to join us for that episode as well. We're still working on maybe getting him on for a future episode, uh, but his team didn't do that good either against Drexel. Uh, might as well go right into the weekend preview since we're already discussing some of the weekend games. Friday, we'll start off with that. Just one notable result. St. Joe's over NGIT 14-5. Saturday games are as follows. Detroit Mercy over Marist 14-10. Duke over Towson 10-8. Furman getting their first one of the season over Richmond in their SoCon opener 10-9. Quinnipiac beating Siena by a goal in their MAC opener 12-11. Army over Holy Cross 5-3. Harvard beating Brown 10-8 in their Ivy League opener. Hofstra beating Providence who hasn't looked good at all 12-8. Jacksonville over Mercer, 16-8. Monmouth over Manhattan, 12-8. Air Force over VMI, 11-6. UMass beating Hartford, 17-13. Bryant over Mount St. Mary's, nearly doubling them, 20-11. Drexel with the upset, as I mentioned, over Georgetown, 15-10. Robert Morris beating Sacred Heart in their NEC openers, 12-8. That could be an NEC championship preview come May. Hobart over Wagner, 11-5. Penn State over Fairfield, 17-13. It was close, as the score would tell, but it wasn't really close at all. The backups began to come in at the midway point of the third quarter. UMass Lowell over Binghamton, 14-10. Bucknell over BU, 16-9. Yale over Cornell, 13-11. Colgate beating Canisius, 18-5. Maryland over Villanova, 13-11. Lehigh over Lafayette, 19-11. St. John's over Dartmouth, 12-5. Loyola over Navy, 15-9. High Point getting their first one of the season over Bellarmine, 15-7. So congratulations to NJIT. They are the lone remaining winless team. To join Albany's the lone remaining undefeated team in college lacrosse. Johns Hopkins over Delaware, 14-8. Michigan over Marquette, 12-7. Albany over Vermont, 21-5. Denver over Ohio State, 12-7. Penn over Princeton, 14-7. to 
and Notre Dame beating Virginia 9-7. to Virginia is still winless in the ACC since 2014 when they beat Syracuse. Sunday's game, Stony Brook over UMBC 7-6, Duke over Cleveland State 9-3, and then Rutgers over Syracuse 14-10. And then one game on Monday, Wagner trouncing Hopkins, uh, Hampton. They did Hopkins, oh my God. Wagner over Hampton, 15-3 in Hampton's first game against a Division One program this season. It's expected. I don't think Hampton was supposed to win. So with that, let's go to some of the marquee matchups for this weekend. Uh, we'll start in the, at, on the main line with Maryland-Villanova with the Terps beating the Wildcats 13-11. I know the Wildcats were a little bit short-manned. No John Clue. No Luke Palmadesso, and no uh, Nick uh, Matt Barrett. Apparently, maybe Barrett is out for the season with the torn ACL. Uh, as first reported by the uh, Big J Journos, I would think now they are at the crease dive. Uh, inside lacrosse is just then hasn't really specified if he's out for the season yet, but sounds like uh, Rob Orzetti, Robbie O has some inside sources, which he does with the Wildcats that it's a torn ACL. So if it is in case a torn ACL, that's really bad news for the Wildcats. And maybe Barrett can apply for a medical red shirt for one more year if possible and play his final year at Villanova while he could get a Masters if possible. Some food for thought. But either way, Maryland played a great game. Justin Shockey took advantage of the an experience of Dane Fisher, the freshman. He went 17 of 28 overall from the faceoff X with an assist on and a shot, nine ground balls. Jared Bernhardt doing his thing at attack, four goals and one assist. Connor Kelly, three goals, two assists. With the defense of Jack Walding, interestingly enough, two cost turnovers. Bryce Young with a cost turnover and three ground balls. Dane Morris making eight saves in the win. Uh, for Villanova, Connor cursed the freshman midfielder. Four goals. Congrats to him. He, he's stepping up very well in the absence of Clue. Colin Crowley also stepping up. One goal, one assist. Christian Cuccinello, he's pretty much their star attackman up top or at the bottom of the field. One goal, three assists. Danny Seibel also putting up some points. Two goals, one assist on the day. And then Nick Testa making 10 saves. Now, they did lose by by two. It was a Maryland pretty. I would say pretty Maryland dominated for the first three quarters, and then Villanova had a five-two run in, in the final frame. Uh, the Terps were up eleven to six at after three. I wouldn't say this is a bad. This is a, a bad loss for Villanova. I think this is a good loss for Villanova. It shows that they can hang hang around a little bit with the Terrapins if they can get some of those. Palmadesso, they can get Clue back on the uh, uh, as soon as they can. Maybe if they can get Barrett, Cause I don't. I don't even think Matt Barrett would make that big of a difference. He would certainly help, but Nick Test has shown that he is capable of being a kind of a very good goalie for this team, and he's been pretty much their primary goalie from the start with the exception of the first three minutes against Penn State in the beginning of the season. 
Villanova has scoring. Villanova has a young defense. Cries is a sophomore. I believe he's a sophomore. Yes, he's a sophomore. Web- Matt Webster's a sophomore. Owen Probilski is also a freshman. So some inexperience there, but they replaced it with Fernando Delgado, who has some experience, and a couple other guys that are upperclassmen. So th- I, they could be an at-large team. We'll discuss a little bit with at-large if they don't win the Big East. But I see Villanova as possibly a challenger to Denver. If they can find a good face-off guy, if they can get Paul Modesto back and challenging Trevor Baptiste, which is a very tall task. Maryland, on the other hand, they, they've shown they are one of the best teams in the country. They they do have a weakness. I think with every team in the country, there is a weakness with everybody. Uh, it's their depth. Louis Dubik had a goal uh, with Adam DeMello, only had two shots. Anthony DeMeo, two shots. Paul Snyder did have a goal. But they need to get some of these second midfielders going. Connor Kelly did have five points. So did Bernhardt. That's a good sign. Connor Giblin, that's been slacking a little bit, I'd say. One assist. Logan Wisnowski with two goals. So they're getting a lot of production from who they need. The midfield producing with Kelly. The attack with Bernhardt is producing. Get some, maybe some production with Gibling. And you got yourselves a very, very strong team in the Terrapins come May, as usual. Which maybe some people didn't really expect. But in this case, they're young for the most part. I, I think they're more inexperienced than they are young. Gibling, uh, Wisnowskis, Furman, Jack Welding. But this team is definitely capable of reaching a championship once again in May. Moving to the ACC with Notre Dame getting out to a fast start. A 4-0 run to start the game before eventually having the Cavaliers catch up with the game. We're actually leading by a goal in the third quarter. But then a 3-0 run by the Fighting Irish in the in the final frame gave the Irish... The eventual 9-7 win over the Cavaliers. Notre Dame starts 1-0 in ACC play. Virginia's now 0-2. Mikey win. Four goals. Very effective from his home. Literally five centimeters away from the crease. Brandon Gleason with two goals, one assist. Brian Costabile with two goals. Pierre Byrne. We're starting to see some production from him as needed. One goal. Mikey Drake and an assist. Ryder Garnsey, who has... Coming off the bench now, which is a concern, maybe. he. I mean, with he hasn't really shown a lot of production. He only had one shot, two goals, one shot, one ground ball on the day. Matt Schmidt playing very, very good for his type of goalie as a freshman. Seven saves. Uh, but Virginia gave Arden Cohen, and at times he grants a little bit of trouble. Uh, with Michael Krause. Four goals on 10 shots, five ground balls. A very, very lethal attackman for the Cavaliers. We saw glimpses of it as a freshman, continuing that role as a sophomore. Imagine him as a junior and a senior. He could be a first-team All-American next year. You have Ben Reeves gone. You have Gutterden gone. You have Fields gone. Spencer's going to be still there. Maybe you have Spencer, Michael Krause, and Tahoka, maybe, as possible next year, first-team All-Americans. Michael Krause is definitely a great player and a fantastic attackman. 
Ian Laviana at four. He's actually the only attackman that, besides Mike Tomorrow, had a goal. Uh, so I, I thought it was the I thought he was the only attackman that scored, but Demara actually did score. Doc Aiken had two goals, one assist, and once again the the uh, Cavaliers decided to split the halves with Griffin Thompson and Alex Rode. Thompson got the start, uh, six goals against, made three saves in the second quarter. Alex Rode gave up two goals, uh, also made three saves in a half of time. I don't understand why Lars is going Thompson than Rode. We all think, I think in my personal opinion, and we a lot of us in the College Cross uh, group chat have said this, that Alex Rode is Virginia's best goalie. I get that maybe he wants to give Thompson a chance or he's not really sure who should be the uh, the starting goalie, but Alex Rode is the starting, he should be the starting goalie. And we saw that with Virginia, with uh, Syracuse. I don't know how Thompson would have done with the Orange in that game if he if it would have been worse off with Thompson in. Uh, he didn't do that well. I don't think actually Virginia as a team didn't do that well with Manhattan or earlier on with Stony Brook. Road came in against High Point, played very, very well after Thompson got pulled. Alex Road should be their starting goalie. That that's simple as that. I don't get what the problem is and what the confusion is and why Lars is still going with a two goalie system. Scott Hooper had five cost turnovers as their only, I'd say, only bright spot on defense, maybe, besides Road. Um, and then the Irish with a very good day at the faceoff X. John Travisano, 9 of 15 against Justin Schwenk, who went 9 of 19. The Irish looking very strong. Their offense looks like it's a little bit better than it once has been. Well, we at least for the first half, with six goals and four goals in the first quarter. Mikey went with four goals. But there might be some uh, concern with Ryder Garnsey. Maybe he isn't. He actually isn't happy, and you know Kevin Corgan isn't is punishing him for that. We thought that he was. He's definitely a star attackman, and he could find a home elsewhere. Uh, but maybe because of the uh, the ACC rules, he had a plan. He wanted to go to Virginia, but he decided he didn't want to sit out a year and waste a year of eligibility. So instead. He's back in Notre Dame. He's maybe doing some research on other schools. Just speculating. I'm not sure. But if I'm him, maybe I would be looking at other schools. Big Ten. Probably the only only Big Ten. Because I don't think he wants to go to the CAA. Unless he wants... He is a... I believe he's a Maryland... Uh, he's a Boston kid, if I'm correct. Ryder Garnsey. So maybe up in the Massachusetts area. He's at, Yeah, he's a New Hampshire kid. Phillips Academy. Brewster Academy. Maybe he goes back to, I think he could go to Yale for one year if they allow him to go to Yale or some other Northeastern school. I mean, it's great to play in Notre Dame, but maybe he needs, he, if, he, if he, he has a caliber of playing, he needs to go, to go somewhere else and play. But the Irish looking good so far. They have Ohio State on Sunday at Ohio State, a big test for them and a big test for the Buckeyes. For Virginia, they have Dartmouth on Tuesday, and then they have the Doyle Cup against Hopkins on Saturday. Big matchup there for Virginia's possible at-large bid considerations. 
Duke beating Towson 10-8. They also beat Cleveland State the next day, but we'll focus on the Duke-Towson game. Sean Nadlin actually had Duke in their death in his death trap for a little bit in this game. Duke was up 7-2 at half, and then all of a sudden, they they didn't score for a good for a good amount of time. They didn't score for the entire third quarter, and they finally got on the board with 10-16 left in the final frame. But Towson went on a 6-0 run. Uh, Mazza, Matt Silvero, Johnny Giofrida, Timmy Monahan, Jean-Luc Chetner, and Mazza again, each scoring, giving Towson a lead. But then, all of a sudden, Duke got out of that death trap. Sean Lowry, Gutterding, and Robertson each scored goals to give the Blue Devils an escaping 10-8 win. Justin Gutterding with a hat-trick and a goal and an assist. So did Peter Conley. Brad Smith, uh, vice versa, one goal, three assists. Sean Lowry, two goals. And Robertson with that final tally and assist. Joe Stein with 6-14 against a good faceoff guy in Alex Woodall, who went overall 6-10. of 10. Steven Stilwell actually got some time, too. He went 7-11 on the faceoff X for the day. Shane Brennan, he's finally gotten his groove as a goalie. 13 saves overall against a very good Towson uh, Duke offense. John Mazin, Timmy Monahan with two goals on the day. Cost turnovers. Zach Goodrich with the lone cost turnover for the Tigers with one. Probably one of the better short stick D-middies in this country. For the Blue Devils, Kevin McDonough, the grad transfer from Penn at two cost turnovers. Van Raphorst, JT Giles Harris Harris with the cost turnover. And then Gutterding also got one, and Brad Smith got one. Danny Fowler with 14 saves on the day. Good effort by Duke. Really good effort by Towson. Unfortunately for Towson, it's not resulting in wins. They're 3-4 and in the season. They have some work to do. They want to get possibly an at-large. I think the at-large thing is already done. They just need to find a way to start getting wins as CAA play approaches and prepare for that because I don't think they're going to... They have a good schedule easily. They have played a few good teams such as Ohio State and Duke the past two weeks. Hopkins, Georgetown, Loyola. They have at Denver to wrap up their non-con play on Saturday, if they can impress there, that says a lot about how they might be at CAA play. But their offense might begin to start uh, ticking a little bit at the right time. They have Hofstra right after that. That could be a preview of the CAA championship. Hofstra's starting to play well as well. But Towson has, I think, the, the key, again, with this Towson team is their defense. Their offense isn't as good as it was last year. But the defense is getting there. Without that slow start where they lost 3 of 4, Towson's now 2 and 1. And they played that one game against Duke, that one loss against Duke, very well. Even Loyola, which was Brennan finally showing that he is the number one goalie after Josh Miller got sick with the flu. They played well in that game, and he played very well in that game, too, up until the fourth quarter. And besides, I think only Hopkins was the non the only game where they didn't lose by five or more, uh, fewer goals. They lost that game by eight goals. They lost to Georgetown by two, Loyola by four, and then Duke by two. So they're close margins, and they are hanging with tough teams. They just aren't finishing. They need to learn how to finish some of these teams. And they had the lead against Duke. They just stopped scoring. As for Duke. 
another good win, 7-1, a tough win. They could see this team later in the postseason. Definitely wouldn't, throw, wouldn't rule that out of the picture, especially with where Towson might be and where Duke might be in the in the uh, tournament seating. But very good from Connolly, finally getting to his group, Brad Smith, the midfield. You wonder maybe if you double pull Conley and Brad Smith and leave Sean Lowry, who can score, and also Joey Manown, who hasn't done a lot this season, as short sticks, as they have uh, Syracuse coming up in their ACC opener. Ohio State, Denver, quickly. The Pioneers actually needed a long run. They needed a nine-goal run from the end of the second quarter until midway through the fourth quarter to get past the Buckeyes. Ohio State was actually in this game for a little bit. They were up 5-3 before that run began with 1.39 remaining. They had a good day from JT Bugliosi, the attackman, the freshman, two goals. Lucas Buckley, John Kelly, and Jackson Reed each had a goal. Trey LeClaire, no goals but two assists. He's doing his thing as he needs to be. It, uh, Justin Inaccio went 8 of 18 against Trevor Baptiste. Christian Feliziani went 1 of 5. Matthew Smith went at the took lost six saves in the in uh, two quarters, or at least maybe three. He's giving up nine goals. Josh Curtinson came in for in relief with one save. For Denver, Trevor Baptiste. Tied Ethan Walker as their leading scorer. Actually, excuse me, no. For some reason, someone said that uh, Trevor Baptiste was their leading scorer. I don't know, it was IL or whatever. Austin French had four points to lead the way for the Pioneers. Ethan Walker, one goal, two assists. Trevor Baptiste, two and one. Colton Jackson, Connor Donnie with two goals each. Sean Mayo, the long pole with two goals. That's always great production to get. And then Colin Rutan with two goals as well. For the Pioneers, Baptiste went 14 to 23, seven ground balls. Josh Matt actually started in goal instead of Alex Reddy. He made four saves, uh, none in the first half. Gave up seven goals overall. Good win for the Pioneers. I'm not sure what the situation is with Matt and Alex Reddy. Maybe they're looking for a new goalie. They're testing him out. Reddy maybe wasn't ready, pun intended, or he was sick or whatever. But we'll see what happens with Bill Tierney with Towson on Saturday. If they do go with Reddy or they do go with Matt. Uh, Albany crushing Vermont, putting up a 21 number against the Catamounts. Uh, led by my guy, Jacob Patterson. Seven goals, one assist. Connor Fields did have 10 points. Token Anacote, three goals, two assists on 12 shots. Gracio. Justin Ray with three goals. Kyle McClancy, two goals. And they did get some uh, other scoring from two other guys. Troy Ray with a goal. Kyle Casey with a goal. Davis Diamond, three assists. They played a lot of guys in this game. 41, I believe, if I'm correct. TD Early went 19 of 21. Anthony Altamari went 3 of 3. Austin Jones went 2 of 4 on the faceoff X. Colarusso, J.D. Colarusso, just gave up three goals in three quarters of play. Eight saves. Nate Sikirski, two goals against, made four saves in the fourth quarter. Ian McKay for the Catamounts, two goals. Ben French, Jaws Michelin, and Rob Hudson each had a goal. 
Uh, Liam Limoges did not play in this game. Actually, excuse me, he did. I had to right at the bottom. He didn't start. Made two ground balls in the losing effort. Nick Rashuda, eight saves, but gave up 17 goals against. That doesn't help his goals against average or his numbers overall. Uh, really bad loss for the Catamounts. I thought they might have a chance to be in it. Albany just shut them up and controlled the entire game. So good for them. Good for the Great Danes. Army without Connor Glancy. Got up 3-2 in the first. And that was their highest scoring quarter. They ended up winning 5-3 over the Crusaders. Who actually dropped the night logo for some reason. Because they don't want to be affiliated with a religious war. It's dumb. Either way. Uh, concern with the attack. Kind of happened with Lehigh last week. And that's how the... Mountain Hawks defeated the Black Knights 9-7. Without Mr. Glancy, David Sims put up a goal. Nate Jones with a goal and assist. Sean O'Brien with a goal. Nicholas Garofano and Connor DeWitt each with goals. Not a lot of uh, well-known names for the Black Knights. John Ragno went 6-10 of 10 from the faceoff X. Uh, but A.J. Barreto made 14 saves and a very good effort for him. So defense needs to step up. Manown, Barreto, Domrica, Sean O'Brien, John Ragno, John LaMonica, and Jordan Cole, each with cost turnovers, or at least one. A few guys with two. 12 cost turnovers for the Black Knights, which was a very good sign for their defense. They might have to be relying on their defense for the remainder of Patriot League play. For the Holy Cross, they actually did have nine cost turnovers. Will Murphy... Kevin Kodzis and Matt Farrell each with two. Also in Patriot League play, Loyola defeating Navy 15-9. It was actually a tie game in the half until the Greyhounds exploded for five goals in the third and fourth quarters each. Uh, Pat Spencer, four goals and eight assists. Another Pat Spencer day. Aiden Olmsteed had four goals. Jade Rebeau, four goals. And Jacob Stover, Recording 12 saves. Joe Varela with a program record. Uh, 21 faceoff wins on 28 tries. He did, however, also have a goal and assist on two shots and 14 ground balls. Only bright spot for the uh, midshipmen besides maybe Jack Race three goals on the day. Bucknell crushing BU 16-9. BU actually was up. Well, actually, they were up 9-7 at half. And then all of a sudden... They just stopped scoring. From the end of the 5-12 remaining in the second quarter till the end of the game, a 9-0 run for the Bison. There was no scoring at all from the terri uh, Terriers, which is kind of a concern if you're a BU and if you're Ryan Poley. Well, Sands hit three goals and seven assists, one of the better attackmen in the country. He should be up at least for third-team All-American nods. Tommy Supko, four goals. Connor Hare, four goals. Christian Klepstein with the win, making seven saves in the day. Jack Wilson had three goals. Chris Gray had three goals and four assists. He's starting to become the best attackman and best offensive player on the BU team. Uh, Drexel beating Georgetown 15-10. Seven-goal second quarter for the Dragons. Helped their cause. It also helped that Jim McCoyta, our guy that uh, Coach Brian Volker mentioned early in the season on our Philly preview pod, 
19 of 24 from the faceoff X, one goal and 11 ground balls. His, obviously, definitely his best effort on the season against Peter Tagliaferri, Riley Mann, Kieran Jenkins, and Cade Heverly, who went 6-27 combined. Uh, Matthew Varian had six goals and one assist for a career day. Marshall King with two goals. And Cray Tittlebaum with 12 saves on the day. Georgetown not getting a lot of scoring. Jake Carroway, four goals. Other than that, that was really it. Dan Picaro had one and two. Lucas Wittenberg at two. And that was all she wrote for the Hoyas, who also had 13 calls turnovers on the day compared to Drexel's five. Yale needed some goals late from Ben Reeves and John Deniglius. Cornell's actually up 11-10 after the fourth quarter. Uh, well, 8-2 left in the fourth quarter before Deniglius and then two Reeves goals gave Yale a comeback win 13-11. Reeves had 4-1 on the day. Jackson Morrow had 4-1 as well. Jack Starr made six saves in goal. Connor Mackey went 11-27. For the Big Red, Jeff Teat, four goals and two assists. Jordan Dobriak and Connor Fletcher, each with two goals on the day, with Christian Knight making 11 saves. Penn doubling up on Princeton, 14-7. They were up 8-5 after three, but then the floodgates opened the fourth with a six-goal fourth quarter. This was the good pen that we saw. Tyler Dunn with five goals. Kevin McGarry, two goals. Simon Mathias, three goals. So it looks like their guys are beginning to produce a lot of, on offense, even though they were uh, dominated the faceoff X uh, by 15-9 there by uh, Princeton. Michael Sowers had three assists, no goals. A very good job by the Penn defense there. Austin Sims with 2-1, Riley Thompson with 2-1, Tyler Blaisdell try to keep things alive, 8 saves, but Reed Junkie made 20 saves as well. A very strong effort by the junior goalie for the Quakers. Hopkins avoiding a near upset of Delaware. It was tied at 8 after 3, but then Hopkins exploded for a 6-goal fourth quarter. They defeated the Blue Hands 14-8, Shaq Stanwick with Two and five, three and two for Kyle Marr. And also five saves for Brock Turnball. Charlie Kitchen, Joe Isel, and Bryce Reed scored twice for the Blue Hens with Matt DeLuca making 13 saves. And then finally, Sunday's game, Rutgers over Syracuse, 14 to 10. It was even for the most part for the first half and early on in the third quarter. But then Rutgers got on a big, big run. Thanks to a 7-0 run after an 8-Solomon goal. Don Madonna was trying to attempt a clear. It looked like the ball got out of his stick too early. Henningberg, Jules Henningberg was right in front of him. Easily scored, and that started the uh, the avalanche of uh, goals for the Scarlet Knights. Henningberg had 6 goals and 2 assists for a big day for the senior attackman. Christian Mazzone three goals. Casey Rose had two goals. Not a lot of cost turnovers. Mark Cristiano had two cost turnovers. Uh, Michael Rex Road didn't really record a stat on the day, but he was still effective. Max Edelman made 10 saves along with Damadana. But the big stat, since I was at that game, has to be turnovers. 
22 in all for the Orange. Eight in the first half, five in the third quarter, nine in the fourth quarter. They 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 went away from their slow tempoed offense where they were stalling for the most part, where they scored four goals. They eventually scored six in the next three quarters, but take away Bomberry's two final ones in garbage time of the game. It's four, which isn't good. But 15 of those turnovers were unforced turnovers. That does not win you games. I mean, even if you're Virginia, that doesn't help you at all. You you need to be knowing of what is going on with these with with the ball and the situation right now, and having these unforced turnovers, especially with what Madonna did, that was just cringeworthy. Syracuse is three and three. They have Duke at Duke, then they have Notre Dame at home, Hobart, Cornell, which could be a big game at Ithaca. Then they host North Carolina and Navy before ACCs. Rutgers is 6-2. They are looking better with their tournament picture. They host Delaware on Saturday. That is your weekend in review. We have a quick note, actually, on Air Force. The Falcons, according to the Gazette, uh, Colorado-based, Denver-based newspaper, uh, the Academy is calling for an outside review for Air Force. The Academy is calling for an outside review after uh, recent troubles with their only, not only their men's cross team, but also swimming program. Uh, we learned from this that their mess uh, appears their investigations are still going, um, which is in tied, to, tied at least to hazing. Eric Saramet was removed. Bill Wilson's their interim head coach. They are two and five this season. They don't look like they're. I believe they're three and five now. This is actually on Saturday before they played VMI, so three and five on the season. Uh, however, an interesting thing is, even though he's not technically removed off the website, on their roster page, Eric Saramet is not listed at all on their page, and Bill Wilson is listed as their interim head coach. Although, if you go to their more tab on their website under coaching staff he's still there as your head coach so we're trying to find some kind of answer to if at least Eric Saramet is no longer the head coach or at least Bill Wilson will be the interim head coach for the remainder of the season we'll try to find some answers there Air Force is going to be tough because they are a government uh, institution so they, they could keep as much closed lips as they want. But we'll try to figure out some answers there. Maybe some answers about some players. That they will all be reinstated or whoever is going to be still be not reinstated or whatever. We will figure that out. We'll try to figure that out. You can follow collegecross.com for all your news and notes. And with that, let us talk bubble. And I know it's March 20th when we're recording this. But... We might as well take a look at the bubble right now with about a month and a week or so until May Madness begins. I have a few ideas of maybe who might be on the bubble. Uh, first off, one-bit leagues, I think the MAC, the NDC, and the SOCON are at least one-bit leagues. And I'm leaning toward the CAA as a one-bit league with Hofstra or Towson. I also think the America East will be a one-bit league. If Vermont doesn't get an AQ, 
I definitely well that that's still under perspective because I think Vermont might be able to make noise if they can beat Virginia in the in their final matchup non-con matchup in April. But definitely CAA, MAC, NEC, and SOCON are one-bit leagues, and I'm leaning toward the America East as a one-bit league because even though Vermont hasn't Vermont hasn't really done a lot of impressive wins yet. Uh, but we will dive into a lot of these um, possible bubble teams. Uh, Duke, right now, if I had to guess, an at-large or at least an AQ, even though the ACC doesn't have an AQ, but really they do, Duke would be my my AQ for the ACC, Albany for the America East. Uh, looking at standings actually right now, Villanova would be the AQ, Maryland would be the AQ, Hofstra AQ, Yale for the Ivy League, Quinnipiac for the MAC, Robert Mort for the NEC, Lehigh for the Patriot League, and then Richmond for the SOCON. So let's let's take a look at some of these teams that could be that could be uh, looking at a bubble later on in the season. Uh, we'll start in the America East. Well, first of all, let's let's uh, let's do the ACC first, because I think Duke is solidly in. Notre Dame is, I would think, maybe in right now. That leaves Syracuse, who's inconsistent. Virginia, who doesn't have an ACC win, and North Carolina, who is starting to slump. Uh, not look good. I would think, in order, Syracuse, followed by Virginia, and then North Carolina. If there is a order for a bubble, max for the ACC, I say is four teams in the in the tournament, a minimum of two. America East, a uh, minimum of one, maximum of maybe one. I think I said it's a one bit league, but one team that has my eye is Vermont. As I mentioned, they are seven and one. They were seven and zero until Albany, and they got crushed by the Great Danes. Their best win right now is Sacred Heart, and that's a three-goal win. They also beat Quinnipiac by five, but other than that, Ver Furman, Mercer, Fairfield, Holy Cross, and Jacksonville are all under 500. They don't have a single team above 500, and they won't have one until they play Virginia, who is six and two in in uh, late April. Binghamton next week is one and seven, followed by a two and four Hartford team. UMass Lowell is 500, though they could be five. They could be over 500 by the time they play. Stony Brook is two and five. UMBC is also two and five. So the schedule favors a lot with the Catamounts, but you get to the records, you get to the RPIs, you get to, and they played them each of those teams pretty well. Jacksonville was an overtime win. Sacred Heart was a three goal win. You start to see maybe if they beef up their schedule next year how they would be they actually added a few more tougher teams like maybe they replaced a, a Fairfield with Lehigh or another top quality team like maybe they replaced Holy Cross with Robert Morris or another better like Colgate for instead of Holy Cross how would they fare so right now because of their record I think it is a one-bit league for the America East and Vermont would have to very much improve and press people when they play Virginia, and they would have to beat Virginia, in my opinion, if they want to get an an at-large bid or at the very need they need definitely to beat Albany somehow in the America East Championship game in order to get in the tournament, which doesn't seem likely, but we never know because what happened two years ago, Hartford beat Albany and Vermont 
beat Stony Brook, the top two seeds, and uh, Vermont eventually lost to Hartford, the final seed in the America East tournament, and that created a whole bubble burst for one team, and Hartford got into the playing game. Big East, I see minimum of two teams, maximum of three. Uh, Denver, Villanova, I think they will be in. Villanova is a good case, but I definitely think the Wildcats are going to be in. Denver right now looks to be in, but Denver-wise, their loss to Duke and Notre Dame. Their best win is North Carolina. They beat Ohio State, which is good. Furman, uh, Cleveland State, uh, Air Force, uh, they have Towson, which is under 500. They can beat Georgetown. They can beat Villanova. They're, they'll be definitely fine, but I think either way, Denver would be fine. Villanova, they have very impressive wins. First three games, Penn, Yale, Hofstra. They had that one loss, a bad loss to Brown. They did beat Penn. They had a good loss to Maryland, but then they have Fairfield, Marquette, Denver, and Georgetown. I would think they need to at least beat Georgetown in order to be solidly in the Big East discussion. St. John's might be a tough game, too. They're 5-2. and two. And they have been improving throughout the season. And then meanwhile with Georgetown, uh, if I'm Kevin Warren, I'm going to try and get Seth Tierney to, for, to find a way to reschedule that Hofstra game that was postponed uh, three weeks ago due to, a, to the snow. Because that might have helped their case a lot with a possible at-large. Uh, but you look at their schedule. High point, Robert Morris, Towson, Mount St. Mary's. Marist, Hobart, and then Drexel. They only have one win against an above 500 team, and that was Robert Moore's by a goal. After that, they will have Denver, Loyola, which is now postponed to April the 10th. It was supposed to be Wednesday, but due to the snow that's forthcoming, it is now pushed to April, which could help both teams in that case, and then Villanova and St. John's. They haven't played the best of competition, but I would still think they're on the bubble right now at this point. Maybe they beat Denver and Villanova. They could have a case to be in. They could seal a spot for maybe Villanova. But this is a team that is definitely, I would say, on the bubble at this point in time. Big Ten. Let's go to them, the big boys in the Big Ten. Uh, I see a minimum of... I see a minimum of three teams in the Big Ten. Maximum of five. Sorry, Michigan, you're not in again. Maryland safely in. Right now, I think Hopkins and Rutgers, that, that Syracuse wouldn't definitely help Rutgers, but they need to do. I think they would rather want to play a lot tougher and a lot better with Big Ten play. They sh they'll try to make the Big Ten tournament, and if so, they should be in. The other two teams, Ohio State and Penn State. Ohio State's at 5-3. Four wins to start the season. Only Hofstra has a winning record right now. And then after that, they have lost three of their last four. Marquette, Towson, and Denver. They are on the bubble. They have Notre Dame. Then they have Penn, at Notre Dame. Followed by home against Penn State. At Johns Hopkins. Home against Michigan. At Maryland. Home against Rutgers. That's a tough stretch for the Buckeyes. Who haven't looked the best. At all this season. BU. 
Uh, they they kind of started to pull away. I think BU made it a game late, kind of a little bit. Oster, they definitely made it a game late. And then after that, Jacksonville was a game. Marquette was a game. Taos, uh, Detroit Mercy was a game. Towson was a game. And then Denver, they were in it. And then t- that 9-0 run by the Pioneers kind of caused their game to be already over by the third quarter. Notre Dame's a very good team. They need a very impressive win there. They didn't last year. I think actually that game was at the Horseshoe, not at Notre Dame, according to Lax Power. It's at Notre Dame. I think it's at Ohio State, if I'm correct. But Big Ten play, that's where they need to do their damage. And the other, their first Big Ten game is against Penn State, who is 5-3. and three. And they need to do some damage, too. Hobart, Stony Brook, Furman, Penn and Fairfield are their only wins, with Penn being the only team above 500. They lost to Villanova, they lost to Robert Morris, and they lost to Cornell, who is uh, at 500. Other than that, they have Cleveland State coming up. That is not a solid non-con play. Their, their non-con hopes are dead. They need to do damage. If they can go undefeated in Big Ten play, that helps a lot with their with their uh, their resume. But they need at least they definitely need to make the Big Ten tournament. If they don't, they're out. Simple as that. Because I don't think losses to Robert Morris and Villanova will help. Their win against Penn might help. Cornell hurts their chances significantly. But there are no outside of Penn. There's no really other good non-con wins. Holbert's there. Sony Brook's there. Furman's definitely there. And Fairfield's there. Doesn't doesn't appeal to my eye whatsoever with this Penn State team. CAA, as I mentioned, one-bit league, Hofstra or Towson. Uh, Hofstra could make some noise as a possible at-large team. I think they don't uh, with the Ohio State and Villanova losses. They have Lehi coming up. That will be big for their for their non-com play. They might want to have Georgetown back too, as I mentioned. With Georgetown, it could help both teams. They can get a, if they can find a date, which I don't think is likely now, because they play CAA for the for the remaining Saturdays of the season. St. John's is their final Big East finale before they go to CAA play with Towson, Fairfield, Delaware, all at home, and they're at Drexel and UMass. One bit league there, the Ivy League. I think I have a minimum of one, maximum of. of Two or three, I I I would lean for two, for the maximum. Yale's in, and then the other two teams that I've considered Penn. I'll start with Penn. They're four and three. They've alternated between wins and losses this season. Their losses are good. Maryland, Penn State, could be good, and then Villanova. Their wins are Duke, very good. Michigan, okay. Navy, okay. Princeton, okay. But the Duke win helps a lot. If they change one of those results, those losses to a win, and they have Bucknell on to, on Tuesday, which if the pattern continues, it's a loss, which that isn't good. If they lose, I think their non-con changes are toast. They need to beat Bucknell to have a, some hope with their non-con. But they need to do damage with the Ivy League. This could be the year they beat Yale. They need to beat Yale. That's like they're getting their monkey off their back. And if they can do that in the Ivy League tournament, they are they should be safely in because I don't see anyone else competing with 
Yale, or even Penn for the Ivy League title, except maybe Harvard. They are five and one on the season. Surprisingly enough, they're five and one. But their wins come against UMass Lowell, UMass, Hartford, Providence, Brown. None of those teams are above five hundred. Holy Cross with was their lone loss. They are one and six. That was in double overtime. Their next, actually their first team that they will play that is above five hundred is on the 28th when they play at Albany, who is 6-0. BU, they play tonight, Tuesday. They're 4-4. Four and four. Saturday, they play Dartmouth, who is 2-3. But Albany is 6-0. Penn is 5-3. Yale is 5-1. They only have three teams that are above 500. That's great they're 5-1, but they have no quality wins. None. Providence was supposed to be a good quality win, but they have slumped since... After their first three games of the season, uh, UMass Lowell has looked okay. UMass, or UMass Hartford, blah. And then Brown has an eight goals against Brown, I mean against Harvard. That's not the Brown that we have known for the past few years. So I, I think Harvard needs to win the, definitely needs to win the Ivy League in order to get in. Uh, Mac, I've said it, one-bit league. Quinnipiac right now looks like they could do it. Monmouth, Detroit Mercy, maybe even Siena. I think this league is still kind of wide open for the AQ. Northeast, Robert Moore, it's a one-bit league. Robert Morris looks like they have the lead entering uh, NEC play. You have Brian in there, as always. Hobart, maybe even Sacred Heart coming in. Uh, SoCon, I think see a one-bit league there. Jacksonville right now is the upper edge. Air Force is going to be fading away. You have Richmond, maybe maybe Mercer competing as well, but this is still a wide-open league as well. And then the Patriot League right now. I see a minimum of one team, a maximum of three. Maybe two as a minimum, but this is still a, a team that who knows? Who knows? Could win the at-large, the AQ. You have Lehigh, Loyola, Army, and maybe Bucknell as the four possible teams that could make the tournament. Let's start with Lehigh because they are six and two in the season. Their only losses come against North Carolina and Rutgers. That's good. They have beaten Colgate, who's five and three, and Army, who's five and two. And Army's their only ranked team that they've beaten. Other than that, it's NGIT, Mercer, Holy Cross, and Lafayette. They play Hofstra to, on Tuesday. They can get a win there. That helps their chances a lot. That's another good win for them. They have Cornell later on. There is a path for an at-large, at but maybe it's a narrow path because they haven't done... They they could have beaten North Carolina. They could have beaten Rutgers. They would have been a solid, solid lock for an, an at-large. The path is there. They are definitely talented. I can't wait to see them next year if they are stronger than they are this year. But they need to impress with the remaining Patriot League play. Especially with Loyola and especially with Bucknell. They are definitely a top three uh, Patriot League team. If they can surprise Loyola, they can easily win the Patriot League. And with Loyola, who is 5-2... Their losses are similar to Lehigh, where they're against 
really good ranked opponents, Virginia and Duke. Uh, they also have the, the, I think the big key is Hopkins is a very good team as well, along with Army. Um, so they have two, both teams have two ranked losses and one ranked win. Towson is an, also a, real, a really good win for the Greyhounds. And upcoming, they have Bucknell on Saturday and a Big East game against Georgetown. So a very similar path with Loyola and Lehigh. Maybe if the season ends today, they could be both in. Army, on the other hand, another similar result, five and two. They have two uh, two losses against ranked teams in Syracuse and triple overtime in Lehigh. They're also clo- also close. I think the only thing that's different between Lehigh, Army, and Loyola, Loyola's losses or their second loss was. A blowout to, I guess, a blowout to Duke, thirteen to nine or fifteen to nine. We want to consider that a blowout. Lehigh only lost their games by one goal and two goal, one goal. Both of those games by one goal in overtime. They each have an overtime loss. Uh, Lehigh, the Lehigh loss for Army was by two. So Loyola's loss to Duke was a little bit, was probably the worst out of the all all three of them. Uh, and then Army also has a ranked win over Rutgers. So each, all these three teams are in similar boats at this point in time. Bucknell is also five and two, but you look at their wins: Marist, Bryant, Colgate, Holy Cross, BU, Blah, Richmond loss, Navy loss. They're out of it. But but those three teams: Army, Lehigh, and Loyola have very very similar resumes at this point in time. And. Army does have one more non-con game left, and that is against Notre Dame at Notre Dame at the end of the Patriot League tournament. And as what the, we saw last year, if they can get a win, they could make some noise and possibly try and get in the NCAA tournament. They were the first team out last year after that win over Notre Dame. And that Rutgers, and I think because of the Rutgers loss, they weren't in. But this time they beat Rutgers. They did lose to Syracuse. If they beat Syracuse, they might have had the upper edge in possible Patriot League at large. But three teams fighting for an at, for a possible at largest in the Patriot League. That will be a fun conference to watch as the season continues and we enter the late stretch of April and tournament time. Quickly, let's go to our week uh, midweek previews. Uh, Tuesday games are as follows. Dartmouth, Virginia at 3. Canisius, Albany at 3. NGIT, Fairfield at 3. Quinnipiac, Hartford at 3. Bucknell, Penn got pushed up to 4 o'clock. And 3 7 o'clock games. Brown, Holy Cross, BU, Harvard, and Lehigh, Hofstra. And then Wednesday games. One of them is Michigan at Notre Dame. Here are my winners. I want winners. I have Virginia over Dartmouth, Albany over Canisius, Fairfield over NGIT, Quinnipiac over Hartford, give me Penn having a winning streak over Bucknell, uh, give me Brown over Holy Cross, I think that's a close game, I'm going to go BU over Harvard, and then I'm going to go Lehigh over Hofstra, that might be the game to watch in the, in the on the midweek slate, and then Wednesday, I like Notre Dame over Michigan. And that is your midweek picks, and that is your episode number 14. You can follow us on SoundCloud, 
Subscribe there. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. And we'll read it on air on a future episode. Follow me on Twitter at CF Jastrzemski. Follow College Cross on Twitter at college underscore cross. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and then follow the show also on not only on SoundCloud and iTunes, but also Stitcher and TuneIn. And with that, we will see you on Friday for the weekend preview. Stay hydrated, everybody. Bye, Felicia.